Travis Barker, and this run's been wild. It was not so long ago that people laughed at us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, like, police will move gates for us and let us do weird shit and fucking... They lit up the Empire State Building pink. This is back into your story. Uh, yeah, so while we're doing all this... Um Tyler, old man, will be over there uh, looking up stuff. So if we get, you know, kind of like that statistic that we looked up about the sharks and stuff like that, and all that information will come up on the screen. So if there's something that you want to talk about or a video you want to see, whatever the hell it is, he'll bring it up. Fact checks, right? Sick. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. Tyler and Brock, let's fucking go. Let's go, baby. We're here, brother. Man, I cannot thank you so much. Uh, for coming all the way up here. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, the way I like to kick off all podcasts is um, have people introduce themselves, who they are, where they came from, all that good shit. Awesome. Uh, my name is Luke Trembath, better known as The Dingo. I came to America as a, trying to be a, a pro snowboarder in, um, fuck, I don't even know, 2000? I was junior national champion at a pretty young age and, and started traveling at a pretty young age i'd come to america a couple times and competed and uh yeah so i'm luke tremba aka the dingo that was formerly uh, uh a pro snowboarder that ended up making a living talking here in america <laughs> <laughs> there we go i love that shit I, man. I, I and it's funny because i'm i'm still i'm still learning how to talk <laughs> that's exactly it right <laughs> we we constantly learn we constantly learn. i mean if you think about it even from when you're younger to to where you're at today uh the the evolution of of who you are as an individual has definitely grown and changed i'm sure and you know what's crazy is we were uh, i was just driving out here and and in the last three weeks i would say i've had some like super just moments of holy fuck i can't believe that happened and yeah. then again and again, and it's one of those things that, like, I think if you put it out in the universe that you want something to happen and, and, and you stick it out, um, it's America, dude. It can fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Seriously, man. It's like, uh, you know, with, with America and all its guts and glory, it is such a beautiful nation, and there is a lot of opportunity uh, if, if, you're, if you're willing to get it, you know. Um, you know, before we get to those three weeks, because we'll definitely touch on those three weeks, where does where does your story start? I mean, I know you said in the beginning, but like, where where does it kick off? I mean, like like anyone, your story starts. You know, fuck, like my story. You know, I was born in a, a small little beach town in Australia, um, uh, from a working class family. My dad was a builder. My mom ran like a kids' toy store. Yeah, we didn't grow up in a bad area. Um. But, you know, every area has, I like to, like, growing up, we always said we grew up at the end of the train line. Yeah. In Australia, at the end of the train line, that's, that's where all the, that's where all the good stuff happens. Yes. <laughs> it's so true, man. It's so fucking true. You get looked at a little differently and, and, uh, you're, you're just, you grow up kind of looking over your back and it just is what it is. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, you know, as I've got older. I think I come from one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's got beautiful ocean. It's not polluted. Yeah. There's not much, you know, it, it's, it's not, there's not much crime. But for whatever reason, at that time where I grew up, it was just different. You know, I had a brother um, and it was the four of us. And, 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 and to be honest, like, 
you know, like I, 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 I speak about this quite, quite a bit, but you know, like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's that, I mean, that, that hurts to say, but like, I, uh, you know, I, I think I love where I come from. You know, the other day I, I, I watched something I said with my mom and I, I, I kind of clowned on where I come from. I was like, oh, that's a fucking shithole. And I didn't want her, she saw that and was like, and I was like, mom, I didn't mean it like that. But there was definitely a dark underbelly of like where we grew up. And for whatever reason, I just knew I always wanted to get out of here. My father left us when we were pretty young. Um, at, at what I thought just to try and get better life for us. And he was kind of gone uh, when I was pretty young. So there wasn't much of a father figure there for my brother. My brother was five years older than me. Um, and then Jeff, my stepdad, who I call my dad, I kind of have two dads. Um, it, and I think that's kind of a common thing in today's no, it's world. so common, man. You know, but I was kind of raised by my, you know, my stepdad. And I remember him taking me to football practice, him taking me to the snowboarding events. Um, you know, my, my, my dad and my brother, the one that got me into snowboarding, my, my, my dad grew up skiing. So then my brother got into skiing and my brother was a pretty good mogul skier, Reese. And, um, you know, we grew up, we were boating in the summertime in the wintertime, we were in the mountains and, you know, my, my dad, my, my dad was, you know, he was a really good dad. He just was then non-present. Yeah. yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> you know, so it. so you can be a good dad, but you, you've also, you know, a, a, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I, story started in Australia. Um, my, my father kind of left us when we were pretty young. My brother had, uh, uh, you know, in, 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 in saying all that, my, my brother got into drugs pretty young age. My brother started doing heroin at, at, at like, a, at, at, he was like 13 or 14. Fuck. I'll never, I'll never forget, like, he used to have this, monkey and we'd stash cigarettes up there and i was smoking cigarettes and smoking bongs at yeah nine ten like yep. really fucked up yeah you know what i mean i do <laughs> i do and 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 i went to grab a cigarette packet out or a cigarette a ciggy as we called it yeah i went to grab a ciggy and and um a needle dropped out and i was so young but i still knew that that was like not good yeah. i didn't even know what it was i just knew that it was not good um and 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 Kind of from that moment on, I had this like instinct in me to like get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And snowboarding was that 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 was my ticket out. Wow. And um, I was just naturally better at snowboarding than anything else. Grew up surfing. I sucked. Like it took <laughs> me so long to learn how to surf. Yeah. Growing up, and people used to make fun of me for my surf style and 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 everything. Um, and and everything else like basketball. I was like off the bench type guy like i was i was never like and even at football football i was the best at but i was still like one of what, what in saying that like i was the captain of two of our teams but that's just because i was loud i wasn't i was like the <laughs> sixth or seventh best player on the yeah. team and um and and snowboarding was that one out for me and I, I started competing at a pretty young age my brother was competitive skier five years so i was just able to trail along with what he did but i started winning competitions at like a pretty young age damn and uh and at that time, I, I had no idea that that was going to lead me to, to America. And, uh, and you know, my, uh, you know, my journey kind of started there. You know, wow. it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, beach town, Australia, mountains in the weekends. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you got a single mom trying to raise a, a teenager that's fell into a world that's not so good. And he's kind of uncontrollable. And, you know, 
the, the craziest thing is I don't think I ever would have ended up in America if it wasn't for my brother. And then on my brother's 18th birthday, he they could get your license then in Australia. It's when you have a driver. He, he left the town that we grew up in and went to Queensland to where our, uh, our grandparents, my grandparents and my mom's family all were. And then there was this opportunity. <clears throat> I went to France, competed at the Junior Worlds, met the head coach, Mike Mellon, of the U.S. snowboard team. Wow. And um, there was an opportunity for me to to move to, to America. My brother was the one that kind of like said, fuck it. Made, kind of forced my mom and convinced her that, that she should do it. So she sold sold the house, sold the car, and and, and we hightailed to uh, America, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, in 2000. My and it's 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 funny we're having this conversation you know maybe a few years back, but my mom said to me on that plane ride over she had no fucking idea what she was doing, and we literally got to steamboat we knew a few people thank thank God, um because of snowboarding and um we uh we slept in a hotel for like two weeks and then my mom got a job as a janitor and we got like a little two bedroom apartment. And there I was at the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club uh, <sighs> doing my freshman year training with the uh, U.S. snowboard team. Are you freaking kidding me, man? Yeah. If, uh, your mom is amazing. Yeah, right? my like, mom's a G. How many mothers out there? I mean, I, I, I'm, there's a lot of good and bad moms out there. But to just say, fuck it, pack it all up, to just go in on on your, your 15-year-old kid's dream. Yeah. Like that's 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 bonkers. Like, what what do you think was even going through your mom at that time? You know, I think she was confused at that time. <clears throat> you know, in a way of confusion of she didn't know what to do. So the only choice she did is she she did what she thought was right. And you know, I think that she had some belief. She had some belief that. To be honest, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> That's just kind of crazy because snowboarding back in 2000 was big, but it's nowhere near as big as it is today. Nah, it didn't like it it wasn't until 2002 that it started to like really grow and then it wasn't until 2006 that it really blew, you know? Like we rode that like yeah, wave of, of Absolutely. Um Yeah, it, it was roll the dice, you know? And and if that didn't happen, I'd be like back home like fucking plumbing building houses whatever you know <laughs> absolutely um you i know you talked a little bit about it but um you know your brother when that needle came out and all of that and uh, that situation what what ended up happening with your bro my brother passed away from suicide 3 years ago damn man yeah 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 he uh he 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 uh he never beat it yeah. He had three kids and a successful life and job and all these things. And he was, he, he never beat, he, he, you know, I, 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 I've never done heroin. I'll never will. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's one of those things. Once you do it, I don't think you ever beat it. And, and he would go months, six months without doing it. And then would go down these binges. You know, there was a lot of other things that went, what, what went on w with that. But, yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was suicide that 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 got him. Uh, ultimately, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. There's three kids left behind, and 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 you know, Rebecca, his wife, is is beautiful, and the kids are beautiful, and I thank God that um, I'm able to you know be a part of those kids' lives, and and I can still see him 
in them. Yeah. My brother lived with a lot of pain his entire life. Um, all sorts of things. And uh and and I I I, I knew that he was at peace, you know? Yeah. Um I, I was there. I, I he like it was one of those things, man, like I like he he, he uh he called me and I, I dealt with it. Like I, I listened to, to my brother hang himself and had to call his wife to call the police to go knock him down, you know? And and he was up for however long and they put him in the hospital, but you're once your oxygen is cut off for like ten minutes, it's you're you don't have much brain cells left. No. Why why do you think that he had you on the phone during that? You know what? Like some people are really upset about that. I I, I think it was a comfort thing. I think he wanted me to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, going through that situation, man, it's a, it's a very dark situation and to lose anyone that you love, but especially by suicide, it's a, it's a very challenging thing. So my heart goes out to you and your entire family for yeah. that. Yeah, no, know? I appreciate that. It's crazy, man, because I, 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 I had all my own, we can get into that, you know, in a little bit. I had all my own problems. Yeah. You know, I was a suicide survivor from like 2009 and it's just it's just crazy and and I changed my life completely and here you are thinking you are changing the world and then your brother from underneath you the one thing you're working on it's like fucking weird dude no nah, man I get it I've been there I've yeah. been there a hundred percent a hundred percent um and we'll 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 definitely talk about that because I, th- I think it's it's really important you know unless you've actually gone through something like that you know, had those thoughts, had those feelings, maybe made an attempt, not an attempt. Um, people don't understand and everyone digests things differently. You and your brother, you know, although you guys are brothers had two different lives and your path is not his path and his path is not your path. And although you come from the same tree, that does not mean that you're going to be able to absorb the things that life throws at you the same. Right. Um, going through that, we'll we'll, we'll 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 jump back. But just since you already brought it up, right back in two thousand nine, what was going on in your head? You know what's crazy is I lived a very strange life. Um, as a teenager, I went from sleeping on a couch to becoming pretty successful. Yeah. At like a young age. You know, I think it was like 17 or something and we were making, it was, I was living a pretty crazy life as a 17 year old. Yeah, you were. And, uh, I, uh, but no, no, nobody was, nobody was there to ever like coach me through it. And as we became more successful, as grenade became more successful, as the TV show took off all these things, and I, I, I was so afraid, and you know, I, here I had my family that was so proud of me, my peers that were proud of me, the people that looked up to me, my sponsors, all these things. I was depressed for like over a year, and I would wake up in the height of my career, in the height of the TV show, in the height of Grenade, when we were doing big, big numbers. I feel like I, I had no one to support me. And I fell into this dark hole. Um, I, I, I uh, you know, it was like a year. Every morning, every night I went to bed, I was like, is this going to be my last day? And then I would wake up 
and be sad the entire day, but put on an act, go film a show, go to a trade show, do whatever you got to do, and then go back to my hotel room and think about if I've, should I jump out of this building, should I do this, should I do that? And um, it was it was over a year of that, living like that. And uh, I got home one night. We're in Los Angeles. And we're out drinking. I got home with my girlfriend. And um, I ate every pill in the fucking cabinet. And she found me and I was black tar, like pretty much gone, flatlined. Woke up in the hospital. And then that was that weird moment of like, God? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a fucking doctor being like, you fucking idiot. And yeah. then that's that like, like. Depression is its is its is its own thing. Attempting is its own thing, but you don't stop. It doesn't really start until you have to face it. So then you face your family, which is embarrassing, and then you face your friends, and then you face your peers, and then you face all these people that are like fuck. Yeah, and a lot of people, it's hard for them to understand what people are going through. You know, depression is it's 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 an illness. Yes, it is. You know, it's it's something that, and you know, I, I, the way that I deal with it, or the way I was able to deal with it, was talking about it. And you know, I I wish that I had gone and got help. I wish I had told somebody. I wish all these things that now I push on other people to do, because you know, you never know who is going through what they're going through until they're gone. So true. You know, and, and, and for me, it was like a, it was like a bottle, right? I bottleneck, bottleneck when I should have gone to therapy. I should have gone and got help. I should have opened up. I should have done all these things, um, to help myself. Instead, I was just embarrassed. Yeah. You know, who do you tell? And that's the same thing with high school kids. Like they, like when I was able to go into a school and tell my story, the first time I was told my story, it was to like five kids that all tried to commit suicide. And we all had that connection with each other. And it and 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 the fact that they I they they would look up to me and the fact that we could have that connection, it doesn't matter who you are. You're if you're a high school kid, you're you're a high school kid, no matter what age, but yeah. high school kid, you don't want to tell your friends you're fucking depressed. No. You don't want to tell your teachers you're depressed. You don't want to tell your family you're it's hard. Of course. You know, because you, you, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so uh, ideally, after I hurt myself, uh, attempted, it was kind of weird because I, I was in the middle of everything and I just kind of went back to it. I didn't really address it until after the show ended. And then and then, and then, then I took about a year off. I moved to Malibu and, and, and kind of worked on myself. And that's when I started, you know, working with kids and, and trying to address myself in deep therapy and all these certain things that I needed to get into. Because it was kind of crazy, man. Like, this shit happened. And it was like, everyone's like, oh, like, pull you. And it was just back to back to work. Yes, right? It's just like, <laughs> just like, literally just like that. And it's it's kind of crazy because as a society, as a society, I can't even say that word right now. Society. Uh, society. Uh, for so long, it was like you especially men, you like, you have to bottle up your feelings. You have to bottle up the way you feel. If you show any emotion, then you're not a man. And I think as a culture, um, that, that shift is happening where it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman or whatever you are, it's opening up and, and releasing those feelings 
is so important. And we're learning that, you know, deep depression, PTSD, uh, anxiety, all of these things are real. They're not just figments of people's imaginations. And by bottling things up, you don't ever get a chance to work through it. And just like you said, that bottle, right? It just kind of fills up and fills up and fills up. And then eventually it has to go somewhere. Yep. And especially um, if you look at people that become successful at a very young age, right? Um, and, and go through that, right? And the limelight and, and all of that, you know, there's there's a huge rate of, of issues. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much fame, how much fortune you have, we all go through shit. And even some of the most successful people on the face of the planet are, are the most unhappy. Yeah. And so why is that, right? Why is that if you got all the money in the world, you have everything that you ever wanted, but you're still upset and miserable. It's because you're not facing what's truly deep down inside. And, and you have all these people around you kind of being like, yes, 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 yes. Where it's like, no, fuck that. Like we need to open up and have these deep uh, conversations. And there, there needs to be someone out there for individuals to be able to reach out through. And, and it's very fortunate for you that you're be able to sit here today and have this conversation. Um, and unfortunately not the same case for your brother. Yeah. And, and, and my heart goes out to you for, for that man. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, that you can't, you can't get that back. The hardest thing for me is like watching my parents go through it. Yeah. You know, because yeah, there's, there's just a piece of, a piece of them has both died. Yeah piece of all of us but like watching my mom and dad go through it is 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 really hard watching rebecca go through it watching the kids go through it it's fucking tough man it's i i can't you cannot imagine what it's like to be a parent to lose a child that's not the way it's supposed to work no right that's just not the way it is supposed to work and and when it does happen and especially in in such a, a dark scenario um, it, it just, it, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, so let's, let's bring it back. Right. You're 15 years old, right? Yep. Um, your mom drops everything, literally sells it all. You guys move to the States. Do you remember what that experience was like? Like, was Fuck yeah, dude. I was ready to go. <laughs> let's fucking go. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> I was 14, 15, living in the United States of America, fucking living my dream. Yeah. It was cool, man. My mom was the G, too. We had an apartment, little apartment, and, and it was in Australia. Drinking age is different. So literally the whole high school just drunk alcohol at our apartment <laughs> all the time. It was fucking rowdy. Um, and that, that was my freshman year of high school. I did my freshman year of high school in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, Steamboat Springs High, trained with the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club. We doing a top-up? Yeah. Your coffee tastes good, dude. Black Rifle, baby. What's up with that? Black Rifle. Don't know if there's much more left, but you can... Oh, don't want to spill it all. Shout out to Black Rifle. My Shout boy BJ Bullwin is... He's, he's, he's... Yeah. Shout out to Black Rifle. Shout out to BJ. I love Cheers, brother. Do you want water or anything? We got some seltzer. No, 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 no. We got some uh, water over there, too, if you want some down there. Just let us know. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, 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 it's, it's so funny. Like, my group of friends from that year, I'm still like best friends with. It's, it's crazy. My, my, my friend Keenan Rice, who was one of my longest friends in America, Jamie Curcio, uh, Kyle, like Trask. There's a whole group of people that all of us grew up in, in, in that area that we're all still tied as shit. And it's crazy. People are, some of those people are working for Justin Bieber. Some of those people sold a company to Google. Yeah. And I'm like, we were just fucking raging in Seamboat Springs together, you know? Um, I was only there a year. I did about nine months there. That was my freshman year. 
then that's when shit hit. My mum couldn't get a visa. Damn. So my mum went back to Australia. And then that was a, uh, there was a family called uh, the Eddies, Joe Eddie and uh, and 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 uh, Veronica and Susan. They were living in Mammoth as they were living in Steamboat as well. Joe was my age, competitive snowboarder. So they had moved to Mammoth, um, and and the plan was that me and Keenan were going to move to Mammoth, and then Keenan ended up moving to Breckenridge, and then nice. and then I moved to Mammoth. And the Eddies had a two bedroom, and they didn't have much money. And and as fif- from fifteen, I slept on a couch, their couch, which was a tiny. It was half the size of that couch. Damn. And, and then the closet out there was my closet while I was going to homeschool. And then I transferred from their couch to Danny Cass's couch. Right <laughs> no when way. Grenade, that's yeah. how, that's right when grenade started, yeah. and then I literally went from a couch like half that size to. A bigger couch, <laughs> and then Danny and all the people Danny grew up with, Kevin Casillo, Dave Schiff, Sketchy D, I basically migrated in with those guys, and I was staying there every night, and I just ended up living on their fucking couch. No way. So, like, it was it was a weird... I spent two years where I kind of... While everything was kind of happening, I spent two years basically sleeping on couches while going, while going to homeschool. While trying to get everything going, it was kind of it's 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 shit that you look back on and it's it's kind of crazy, man. It is. It's very crazy because you're like 15, 16, 17 years old, man. Yeah. So to like go through that entire experience at such a young age is just fucking bonkers. But at that age, you're not even thinking no. about it. Like we'd all moved to Mammoth, and then it was the migration of the East Coast to Mammoth, and Mammoth became like the hub of snowboarding. Yes. Ke- Ke- Kevin Jones was kind of like you know Mammoth local local guy, and and the East Coast movement had kind of come in and it was you know kevin and terror and that whole kind of crew and then this this explosion of 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 the grenade gloves crew um and and the gas station out in june lake and and just the lifestyle we started living then was pretty insane could you have ever imagined that at such a young age all the things that you were about to go through throughout your entire life like did you uh, did you have like this bucket list or these goals or you were just fucking going now at that point you don't you don't you don't you don't have a bucket list at all. No, right? No, no. The, the 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 one thing that I will say that probably changed my life forever, uh, uh, and and the reason why I'm probably sitting here today, is a guy named Pat Bridges, the editor of Snowboarder Magazine, handed me a microphone in the middle of this, and 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 literally was like, "This is what you need to do." I announced like the world quarter pipes in Waterville Valley or whatnot. But, you know, without knowing, you know, I, 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 you know, was able to like take my skill set, which is talking yeah, and, and kind of be the voice of the snowboarding era of that time. And you don't know that at the time. No. You know, you have no idea. No. And, but that's what ended up kind of happening. Pat Bridges, I would say changed my life. Wow, that's incredible, man! And 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 we went through this just gigantic run of, you know, grenade had blown up. Grenade wasn't successful back then. Yeah, it was just a group of friends. Like the gas station, the gas station in June Lake was a mini ramp. That was the original warehouse, and I remember the first the first gloves that were made with the Pinskys that like cut your nose. We'd like pack boxes and throw empty 40 cans in there and ship them off. <laughs> we were shipping stuff like six months late. It was, it was, that, that was the time. That's, uh, man, that's so incredible to think about um, that, that time. Cause that's like 2002, right? 
Yeah. And that's like where really the explosion of snowboarding really starts to kick off. 100%. Like that, 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 that year was 2002, um, Danny Ross and JJ swept the podium at the 2002 Olympics in Park City. It was the first American sweep in winter sports in 52 years. And we went from being shitbags to literally like sitting there with George Bush. Like <laughs> fucking rock stars, man. Like not even knowing, right? Like snowboarding, getting, you know, going to the Olympics and everything like that. And, and to see how big America was going at that time was just such an incredible thing to experience. Because that's really when I first started snowboarding, when I was like 14, 15 years old. And I just remember going through all of that and, and for you to actually be living through it, right? Because yeah. I'm just looking at it from a bird's eye view. You're fucking the bird, right? You, you're not fucking the bird. You are the bird, right? Yeah. So it's like to be able to go through that experience is just so uh, surreal. I showed up to the 2002 Olympics with a blow-up doll, <laughs> a spray-painted like pleather jacket and hadn't slept in two days and were crushing beers in the Olympics with a megaphone screaming on the side of the hill. You know? <laughs> Holy shit. Are you serious? That was crazy because that day there was like 30,000. They had to build that the stadium there. There was like yeah. 30,000 people there. And we were rolling around in the grenade van then that was like a spray-painted shitty van. Yeah. That was everything to us. Yes. That van was everything to us. Uh, and then we migrated to the 93, 94 Winnebago. And I got that shit tattooed on my leg. Let's see. Let's see. That was, that was, our, that was the let's first bus we go. got. Let's go, brother. So it's 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 that shit that you look back on and you know it 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 uh it's 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 uh, makes it it makes it all worthwhile you know you got to live you got to live in it uh, live those experiences but yeah I don't even think we really knew what was going on in 2002 I don't think it was until 2006 that we really kind of understood that there was a market to be had yeah. and take over you know well, what was it, right? 2002, you're just fun. Your kids, you know, you're just kind of going with We're the babies. motions. In Literally two, babies. In, two, in 2002, how old was I? I'm 36 now. Right? You got to go. <laughs> 2002, I mean, you were you were uh, 16 then, right? So That's why 20 years old. Or you were 16 years I was, old. I was 16. 16 Danny years old. He was 19 when he won his first, and he's three. He just turned 40. Wow. Isn't that wild? I'm I'm 37 in January. Yeah, I'm 36 at the end of the year myself, dude. Yeah, we're so. looking good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, brother. Bring it in. You know what's it. crazy is I had like the the depressed moment leading up to my 30th, and then I turned 30, and I was like, "That's fucking, that's fine. Just yeah. keep going." A friend of mine just turned 40. He goes, "Ding, I think we're just gonna watch out for 50. I think we're good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you hit 50, you're fucking... Well, it's, but dude, even like today, like look at 50-year-olds today, man. Like yeah. it's kind of fucking crazy, yeah. right? So, and especially just with technology and, you know, optimization and everything that people can do to take good care of themselves, it's a, it's a different time, man. Because I remember being a kid looking at a 50-year-old and thinking they're old. And maybe because it's now I'm 36, 35, but going to be 36 soon. Uh, I look at a 50-year-old and obviously some don't look the greatest, but then you look at some and you're like, fuck, man. You look great. If that's what 50 looks like, let's fucking go. Yep, for sure. So, okay, you said 2006 was like when shit really started to blow up. What was it that happened around that time that was like, fuck, okay, this is getting real? Well, for me, I just kind of remember like to, like to, to, like to 2004 was when I started like hosting stuff. I hosted the U.S. Open, I think, for the first time in 2005. I started building a name for myself a little bit. Yeah. Um, with a voice, I was on. I, I I coached the MTV Made in 2006. Damn. Now it's crazy to think like I, I, it doesn't sound like much now that you say that or that I say that, but like that show when it aired aired to 12 million people. 
No, that's insane, man. Right, and and I remember in 2006 when MTV made the episode aired. I was in the I was walking down Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. Yep. And kids came running out of the store, and they were like, "Holy fuck, it's Dingo!" MTV made how how the hell did that even come about? Um, that came about. There was a girl I was dating, like Brianna. There was a girl I was seeing at the time that had a connection into MTV. And then we shot it at the block at Tahoe. Yep. And we shot the whole episode there. Um, And then this guy, Francis, that produced it, I went through an interview process. So, like, it was, like, ten people and then five people, and then they ended up picking me. And the crazy thing was, at that time... I was only three years older than her. I was not. I was. I was nineteen. I was nineteen when that came out. Maybe yeah. I was eighteen. Wow. You know, like I was young. Young. I was really young. Young. Were you yeah. nervous? No, I've never. I'm, 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 I. I. I don't get nervous on shit like that. Yeah. You know, it's like that's gonna be me. <laughs> Definitely. No. No. I, absolutely. But going through that experience because it's 2006, right? Is when yep. that took off, right? Um, did you notice? in your own life, did something change after filming that? I just believed in myself even more. You know, like, like I said, like that moment of like, oh shit, like people recognize me. That's crazy. But like knowing that that can take you further. I just, you know, I just, um, I, li- I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Right. And so you're 18, 19 years old at this moment. Um, right. So the, I, I was getting to the point. So yeah. like that was true. That like that came out. I think they said that aired in what two thousand five. Yeah, and then and then and then Danny went back to his second Olympics in two thousand six. Okay, now this is on the rise of Sean White too, because remember yes. Sean hasn't been on the scene. So on the two thousand six Olympics, Sean White wins, Danny gets second, and then I've had that moment where I'm in Italy at that time. And everyone's like, "Fuck!" Everyone knew who I was. Yeah, and I was like, and 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 then we got back. Danny at that time, the company the company was still at that point like just core. Right, we weren't like doing big numbers, but everyone knew who the fuck we were. Yeah, and um, I, I at that point wanted to get into TV. You know, I I had like been following what like Chef Tremaine and the Jackass guys yep. had done. I'm now friends with Rob Deerdick, and 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 this Rob, Rob's kind of mentoring me and helping me get through these process. Robin Big had just come out. Yeah, I was in that original. I was in the first season or the second season of Robin Big. Um, so I was around this like stardom this like rise of you know there was it was it was more it was it was bigger than just us there was yeah. a lot of shit going on and i just happened to be in the east the ethos of it right yeah and i saw what jackass had done i saw what rob was doing and danny at the time was D- 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 danny's one of the chorus motherfuckers ever and danny didn't want to do a tv show because he was <sighs> core so he only did the tv show because i wanted to do it Right, but I knew if we did the TV show, it would help Grenade, it would help us, and elevate it all. Yeah. So after that next Olympics, we shot the pilot episode that next following year. No fucking way. That then went on to do 49 episodes, and, and the company got big, big. So because of that, because of filming the show, right, this was kind of like a pivotal moment, because Made happened before that, right? Made happened in 2005. Okay. And so then... Who came to you guys, though, about filming the show? Oh, no, that was me. I had now seen how a TV show was produced. I was seeing all the jackass stuff. And then I was around. I was on season one or two of Robin Big, so I was around it. Yeah. I knew how these things worked. Yeah. You know, I saw what was happening to DC. 
I saw what was happening to these brands. I saw what happened to Bam Margera with Element. I saw what was happening to Rob, and I was, like, fucking in it. And that was the point where I was like, all right, I can just be a sidekick on Rob's stuff, or I can go and make my own. Yeah, absolutely. And then Danny backed me. And, you know, Danny always backed me. He didn't want, he didn't, he, the last thing he wanted to do was be on a TV show. I get that. I can, no, I get that. <laughs> At the middle of your career, you know. Of course, of course. But it's a, it's a different time and a different thing. So, because you were so young, dude. You're two, this is 2006, 2007, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you're like, not, you're scraping 20. Like, how do you even put a TV show together and then pitch it and then bring it to fucking life? Like, what was that entire process like? Dude, I started pitching TV shows when I was like 16. I'd like written pilots for Fox, written all these like types of things. And it was just in me. It was like, it, it was in me to, 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 to excel in that, in those moments. And when I was able to be put in those positions, I was able to win and, and, and make it happen. And, and it's like that one chance of, or you look around the room and you look at the room you're in and you got to utilize the room. And I was just right place, right time, right era. Damn, man. Yeah. I mean, everything was definitely popping off at that point. How did you come up with the premise of the show? Like, how would you guys even create episodes? So the first season we shot and we kind of based it around, it was called Grenade Strikes Back Tour. And we kind of had this tour where we were traveling around and we were doing amateur contests. And then the tour was basically based off us kind of like cruising around on the bus doing these am contests. And then at the end was the final stop where we gave a winner, gave a kid a glove. And, and the whole show was kind of based around building, you know, building this, putting a kid on grenade like the pro team. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then and then that worked, and then second season was us driving around, uh, doing movie premieres, and then third season was, uh, what happened to the third season? <laughs> third season was then when we went to Alaska and uh, and and started doing like real like helly shit and kind of just transcending that kind of you know, and then it just came into you guys can do whatever the fuck you want because by the time fourth season came around, we were like in Dubai and France and Germany. And like, it was just, we kind of got to do whatever we wanted. The final season, we were like crocodile hunting in Costa Rica. What the fuck? <laughs> and so they're just like, okay, go do whatever the fuck you want. Well, we produced the show and we owned it. So we could do whatever we wanted. We got really lucky. I, I You know, again, seeing around it, being around it, it wasn't like we were just stars on the show. We co-producers, co-creators, and were able to, Really kind of write the script. Sean Tomlin, shout out to Sean Tomlin that let us do that from the network. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we kind of had free reign. It, it was working. And so would you guys, like when designing an episode, would you guys like write out a script for it or would you guys just wing it? Like, or well, No, the episodes are more designed on like, we're going to go here with the group and then yeah. what happens is the journey that happens in between. None of it was scripted. Wow, that's incredible, man. Whereas like Deer Deck shows were a little bit more... Yeah. Seinfeldish, if that makes sense. Of so course, they had full re episodes written out, and ours was like kind of real reality. And you know, I can, I can, I can probably say it, but like, dude, like the show, like that show, the show, the show that was made then, it wouldn't be allowed to be on TV now. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, it's like literally fucking crazy. Like I was just even watching that '70s show, right? And uh, completely different thing, right? But like the shit that happens in that show. Right, young kids smoking weed, fucking uh, all the all the, the 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 stupid jokes and things like that. I was like, they, they would never allow this today. Like, they wouldn't even allow something Dude, like I'm that. Like popping pills on TV, like, <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. It's like that's next level, right? So it's like, <laughs> it's like, but it, but but that's life. That's reality. And so it's like, why do we need to dumb down everything to? Um, 
like check these boxes. Like it's just so weird. Like the you're 36. Yeah. We live the last of. Oh, for sure. You know, it's it's really sad for people that are younger and, and people that see it. Like, even even young athletes today, young snowboarders, they, they, don't, they, they don't even have fun anymore. We were talking about this yesterday with Jamie Anderson. Like, back in our day, you won a snowboard competition and 10% of that went to the fucking bar. Like, that was a rule. Yep. The kids don't even drink today. It's so weird, dude. <laughs> it's like, dude, when I, when I was, like you said earlier about when you were nine years old, dude, the first time I ever smoked a cigarette was nine. I was smoking weed by the time I was 12 and doing tons of crazy shit by the time I was, you know, 14, 15. Um, so... I remember being a kid, 14, 15, 16, I was a latchkey kid, you know, out when the sun came up and, you know, home whenever the fuck I wanted to. And the things that we were doing back then was just so crazy and so uh, different than it is today, right? Like, it's just so off the wall and it's just kind of mind-blowing where where younger kids and everything like that have come. Yeah, it's fucking, I feel bad for them. You know, once, once, uh, Social media hit it ended everything. Yeah. Everything done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Not done. I'm just saying. No, but it's I, just like. I, I. 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 Yeah. Like it's. Uh, I'm. I'm very fortunate. To have lived again. Like I said. Right time. Right time. It's anything. Right. You can have the greatest idea in the world. It doesn't matter. It's no. about timing. Of course it is. Well we. You know being 36 years old. Like we grew up before the internet. And then we grew up after the internet. Right. Yeah. And so. I think that. It's just such a. We were just very fortunate, right? Looking back now, yep. right? And in the moment, you don't you even, like we were saying, when you, when you were 15, 16, 17, you don't realize it, right? It's not until you look back many years later do you go, oh, shit, I was very fortunate. I was very lucky, right? But it yep. is right place, right time, and that's that's how everything goes. So let's kind of bring it back to your story, right? Um, you, you're going through this show, right? Uh, that entire experience of filming all those episodes and everything like that, Looking back at it, like, what did you take the most from it? Um, you know, I, I learned a lot. I, I think that, that, that there's different phases in life, and, and, and that phase of my life, I was able to take control of something and have fun with it. Um, we created jobs for a bunch of people. We were able to travel the world with all of our friends, and everyone was able to get paid and do whatever, and... I think that's, uh, you know, I, I hope that the crew and the people that are part of the show will look back on that and appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, again, it was like, man, I like, you know, Rob Dyrdek was somebody that I just happened to fucking, you know, ha- ha- that guy ends up being your mentor? Like, fucking hell. That's insane, man. <laughs> you know, that's the guy that's helping you, like, you know, tell you what to do. And, 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 and you know, it's like, the, the, it's those things that you're like, you don't want to let those people down. No. Um. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I could do another sh- people like, you know, it's crazy, right? So the show's to what do to that the show's been done for 10 years. We just did a licensing deal. Amazon now owns the show Fuck. and then redid a license deal on Amazon. And then during COVID Australia, like there's like three networks, channel seven, one of the big networks in Australia purchased the show. So then they ran the show in Australia, like 10 years later. Pretty funny. No way, yeah. man. Yeah. Was it even showing out there back then? No. Nah. That's so crazy to me. That's yeah. so, like Maybe on like a small level, but not on like a free-to-air. Like it was on basically NBC of Australia Damn. during COVID. COVID was that time when people were starving for content. Of course. So that's when we started regurgitating shit. Yeah. And we just happened to have 
like for us, it's like forty nine episodes. That's fucking that's money to these networks, yeah. you know, or streaming services. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, you just have to be you have to be so proud, right, of of all that you and your team accomplished. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and 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 being able to you know um, have a company that you know was str- like thriving in that time, and I think we were before our time and. You know, I think that we were never supposed to be a Volcom. We were never supposed to sell for $100 million or $50 million, whatever it was. We were supposed to run it into the fucking ground. Yeah. You know, like fucking crash and burn, motherfuckers. Grenade Gloves was an era, and it was an era that was more than just a company. It was it, it was a generation of snowboarders. It was a generation of fuck you, yeah. and we all made it, and we're all here together. In the beginning, it wasn't about product. We finally got there. You know, but like having those moments where you're the number one seller in Zoomies and you're fucking created a fly patent sweatshirt, the next thing everyone else is doing. It's just crazy to be ahead of the curve. Yeah. And and that's before the internet too, right? Yes, before it the is. social media. That was before the Supremes and before the fucking you know, all these people had their own, you know, fucking companies and whatever it was. Like we were there first. Yeah. In a time when collaboration with the misfits, like that shit's like <laughs> iconic. It's <laughs> You know, but the crazy thing is, is like most people will wear one of those shirts and not even know it. Jerry Only, Danny went to school with fucking Jerry Only's kid. Like that's some real Jersey shit. No you know, way. like it's 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 authentic. Yeah. You yeah. know the fact that I'd be sitting home one day and the phone would ring and we're too stoned or lazy to get it up and it'd be like Jerry Only, hey Danny, just want to wish you good luck next games. <laughs> that's the life we live, dude. Did you even realize how fortunate you were when you were going through it? No. No, because we ran that into the ground, and then I became depressed and suicidal, so I had no fucking idea. Yeah, It yeah. wasn't until round two, until 2010. You know, gr- the, the story of Grenade's quite up and down and sad, too, and there's, there's highs and lows, but, you know, we had to sever ways with Danny's brother, who founded the company, Yeah, and, and you know, that tore us apart. And, you know, in the middle of our careers, you know, there was, you know, maybe 30 people working at Grenade, and two of them were going to told you what to do, and... You know, the economy crashed in 2008, and we had to let go of a lot of people. And me and Danny, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, in the height of all that, all of our, what we thought were our closest friends all hated us and stopped talking to us. And we just kept moving. Wow. Why? I don't know. It's like one of those things. I think back then they all thought the company was making way more money than it was, and everyone, yeah, it was really, it was really hard for us to deal with that. Because there was a lot of people, like, we've all kind of come back together now. It's what happens in time. Yeah, it does. But, like, yeah, like, a lot of people don't know that in the height of it, most of the people that we love didn't like us. Did you guys know it? Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be hard, man. Like, all, all the people that you look up to or people that you think are your friends or whoever the fuck they are. And Well, it's know. just crazy when the well dried up. Because 2008, the economy crashed. Like, the yeah, company was almost done. And, 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 and it hadn't been run like a business and some stuff had to happen and it just didn't happen the right way. But ideally, you know, like we had to turn it into a business and when the well dried up and our closest friends didn't, we, we, they didn't want to talk to us. They hated us. That's fucked, dude. Yeah, man, that sucks, dude. That'll yeah. make you fucking depressed. Yeah, well, it definitely will. Of course it will. Of course it and will. that's what I was dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people don't understand when you're trying to run a business or run anything, right? Um, all the things that are necessary to keep that thing alive, uh, unless you're actually going through it, you're, you'll you'll never 
really understand the magnitude of the choices that you have to make on a day-to-day basis, especially when the economy in the world fucking crashes and burns, right? Right. So it's like... Yeah. But the thing is, when the economy... when when it, like About what we're going through right now, people listening that have an idea or a brand or are in the middle of something they believe in, what happens when the economy crashes and burns, it weasels out the weak. Yes, the does. weak don't survive, right? Yeah. And then if you're able to survive the fucking explosion, <clears throat> let the dust settle... We came out of 2008, 2009, the economy crashing. By 2010, we were doing like $15 million in sales. Back in the day, we were doing like three or four. People just thought it was way bigger than it was. Of course. We came out way stronger. We had a big, we had a TV show to help, but we had distribution. We had the right tools in place to like get to where we needed to get to. But not, that didn't happen until way later in our lives. Like we fucking went through the explosion. Yeah. But you made it out on the other side. Yeah. Right. Uh, a, a, a lot of chips had to fall, right, to get there. But you guys, you guys made it out, right? So, to bring it back, right, I, I wanted to ask you this: is like, while you guys were getting to the last season of the show, were you guys just done, or was it like you? They're like, okay, the viewers aren't there. You like never want to. It's like a weird, you know. I, I, I. It's like one of those things, right? You never want to say you're done. But ultimately, it was their decision. Yeah. Right? That's tough. That is tough. Because, you know, it, 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 it's, everything comes to an end. Everything. You know, you, just, you don't think it will. Everything comes to an end. Um, at that time, too, I was on the, uh, uh, the uh, ridiculousness. Yeah. So I was in that first season of Ridiculous came out. I taped those few episodes with Rob. And that was like a hard moment in time because like my show had just ended, the ridiculous episodes had aired, and I was like the biggest I'd ever been. Not jobless, but like to me I felt jobless. Yeah. I felt useless for a little bit again. That's when I moved to Malibu and like reset. And then started working with Tremaine. And dude, what a lot of people don't know is after the show, I've shot two full pilots with MTV that just never went to air. They spent millions of dollars on two shows for me. And it's just the luck of the luck of the draw. I presented at the MTV Awards where you, that picture you saw me with Kelly. Yeah. And that was all in that time in 2015. Like, I'd literally shot a pilot with Little John, with me and Little John did a show that was fucking amazing. It was just a rough time. They were trying to find that big hit. Yeah. Ryan Seacrest produced that show. And then I did another show uh, with, um, oh my God, why have I just fucking blanked on the fucking dude? Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. No, don't laugh. It's all good. It's all good. Oh my god, the cocaine guy. The cocaine guy? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of cocaine guys. Oh my god. Hang on. Hang on. The cocaine guy. Oh my god. Why are you looking at me saying that? <laughs> I don't know. Just joking. Uh yeah, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to fuck you up. Hang on, just let me uh nope, not that guy. Um <laughs> But I'm I'm actually <laughs> the worst person. No, you're not. Um, he's on Diddy's label, French Montana. Oh shit! Okay, dude, I had a sick show with French Montana where it was well, he was the guest, but that the, the episode was behind a glass wall. I had the celebrity with me, and then it's a uh, it's a uh, what's a uh, 
where they do the tests, where they like the, they they question people. Yeah, 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 yeah. We would have been them like questioning that artist, and then them all talking shit, and then the artist was behind <laughs> the thing. It was like a punk type show. Yeah. So anyway, it's just what people don't see is crazy, right? Like networks believed in me. Jeff Tremaine believed in me. Ryan Seacrest believed in me. MTV believed in me. I presented at the 2015 MTV Awards. Walk the red carpet. You do other things, but people, you know, it's 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 all that people don't realize, like. Just to have one season of a TV show. Like, I literally had two dead pilots that they spent millions of dollars on that never saw the light of day. How does that feel? Like, I, I find that so that crazy. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Because you're told, you're you, you're getting put on this pedestal that you're the next guy, you're the next guy, and it all then comes down to a team of people that, you know, it's just left to a team of people. It's like, not it's out of your hands. And at that time, MT, in 2015, because remember, MTV's like starting to do this. Yes. So they were looking for their next big hit. Literally, like if they had to put the show of me and Little John on, like the episode, the show was good, but like at that time, like me and him and our chemistry, it would have fucking cracked. But you know, it, it is what it is. I, I was in the room when Ryan Seacrest was told that it wasn't going on air. I like that dude's a badass. That dude, I've never seen somebody chew somebody out like that dude. No way. Yeah. So it's 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 just all learning curve, you know. And it's like I'd rather be where I'm at now and 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 and. You want to be here for a long time, not a short time. Yeah. Um, so you learn along the way that life just happens and things. some things work out. And then that also made me realize how lucky I was to have 49 episodes. Yeah. Because it's not as easy. Like when you crack that first time, you think it's just easy and it's going to happen. It's that, that oh man, that's so crazy though. To, you're, you're absolutely correct with what you just said, but... One of these days, someone needs to create a like a streaming service of all the pilot episodes that have never been That's created. Genius! Like, come on, like think about that. Like all the fucking pilot episodes that aren't there, and like the ones that like fucking crack and people love, they make shows out of them. I don't understand how these um these 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 companies right executives. executives. So the way that it works, right? It's, it's like fucking it's, weird. So the way that it works is back in the day, they used to have just fuck fuck you money. Yeah. Right, just to, like literally, the show we did with Seacrest, they spent two and a half million dollars on, on one on a pilot one episode. Episode, and uh, it's 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 crazy because what happens is you've got the executives and the sales team, and then you got the producers on it. So you'll have like a, a production company that will come in and they'll pitch and pitch the show, and the production company like Dick House, yeah, and there are people that have a certain gas, and 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 then you'll get the money to do the pilot, and then there's pilot season. And then they all get up to bread, so it's like you and like ten other episodes go. And back in the day, MTV would sometimes let every show go. I was at the era of like again the era of it's got to be great, it's got to be perfect, and nothing was going in my time. So it's just it, it, it's you know I, I just keep fucking saying it, but it's timing, dude. It is, it is right place, right time. But who knows where your life would have led to after that, right? Um, you know, my wife always says everything happens for a reason. And I don't know if I truly believe that, but. Um, you know, a lot of things that you do put out there, you do get in return, good or bad. Um, but putting your heart and soul into something and not having it work out fucking sucks. Yeah. Either way you look at it fucking sucks. Yeah. So kind of bringing it back, right? So you go through all those, the, the 49 episodes, um, you've brought up Rob Deerdick a couple of times. How did you even like that dude is just fucking next level. Right. Right. How did that even go about? You meeting him and help, you know, kind of guiding you. I met you. him at a Zoomies party, and he was like, yo, when you come to L.A., you call me. And I didn't call him, and I ran into him, and he was pissed. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he invites me to his house, and then I'm at his house, at his house. 
And then I'm on his show. <laughs> and then uh and then we became friends. Yeah. You know? And 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 rather than um fun fact, <laughs> I was supposed to be Sterling. No way. When he pitched ridiculousness, it was <laughs> me, him, and Chanel. And originally he wanted me to be, and then the network and everybody else I have to point that out, right? Yeah. But it, it listen, I, I love Sterling. But, yeah, anyway, yeah. but in that funny too, originally he wanted me to be that co-pilot. And then when I shot that first episode, Jeff Tremaine walks into the room and goes, You better step it up, Sterling. He just smoked you. So I ended up shooting two episodes in that first season. But I was supposed to be the the the, the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> no freaking way. Yeah, man, that's a he is the type of dude that's made a few shows crack. That is for sure. hundred percent. And then and then another fun fact. Um, he had got a deal with NBC or ABC and he was going to go off and do like a big show on a bigger network. Yeah. And then they were going to pass it down and it was between me and Mac Miller to be the next host and he picked me. It was going to be me and Island Baldwin were going to take over and, and be the new faces of ridiculousness. And then it, Rob ended up canning that thing, came back to it and kept it. And I mean, he's probably very happy he did that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He would have still owned it, obviously, but like yeah. he just signed a fucking, I think a five, six year contract. I mean, dude. I mean, yeah. guy prints money, dude. But dude. isn't that like a like again? It's just those weird little. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. But I, mean, I think if you'll find, like, if you pull it up, like the MTV episode, it's the MTV episode with drama. Oh no, 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 no! It's not that. Epi- that there's an episode. I'll, I'll send it to you. But the first, the first episode I'm on, I come running in and they net gun me. They net gun me in the house, and the fucking bullet hits me in the head and knocks me out, and then I wake up. I, I literally get woken up to like paperwork and Vicol making signs. It was fucking wild. That was my first appearance on. I think Robin Big was when I got neck on. I knocked out. That was such a great show too. It was genius. Man. It was like it was like Al Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then to be there with Robin Big, like yeah. it was such a character. You know, dude, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob Deerdeck, man, is just uh, he just seems like such a great dude. Hearing stories from all these different people. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, for sure seems that way and a very smart businessman for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you, you go through all of this, but like, you know, having people, the network, whatever, tell you, no, 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 build you up. No, 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 no. Um, at what point do things start to, to pivot after that? Well, I moved to Malibu and I met a guy named Mike Smith, correction, uh, Sheckler, Ryan Sheckler's mom, yeah, uh, introduced me to him, and he was a motivational speaker. And he was down at Ryan. He'd won a, uh, he'd won a whatever to get to um, Sheckler's golf tournament. And then she's like, "I think you should go, like, go see this guy speak." So I went to Huntington High. I think a couple days later, maybe, and I watched this guy speak. And for the first time, I saw a room for the eleventh and twelfth graders, and I saw him make. The cool kids uncool and the uncool kids cool. And I was like, holy fuck, I don't know how you just did that. But And then I got on a plane and flew to Lincoln, Nebraska, a place I'd never even fucking heard of. And I said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm here to help. And then I started telling my story to high school kids. And then not sh- long after that, um, with Nick Gross, Natasha, and Mike and myself, we created Find Your Grind. And Find Your Grind oh. was a self-discovery platform. Find Your Grind, like, we were doing live shows we did a partnership with Jostens who make the cap and the gown and the yearbook. Yeah. And we were like, literally started out in like, like 
like small, like like high, like it was like room, like you know, like 100, 200 kids or whatnot. And then we did that partnership. Then we had a bus, like a full on tour bus, find your grind tour bus on the road for a year. And that, and then we ended up doing like I think it was Michigan State or whatnot in front of like ten thousand kids. So it went from some super small, some super big, and then from that we were able to, to then. So find your grind now is a self-discovery platform helping young kids find career paths and jobs in the 21st century and we created a curriculum that lives in the education system and today we have partnerships with tiger woods foundation learning facility we have our own education they use our curriculum russell wilson and his learning facility has our curriculum and we are in uh we, we're we're roughly viewed by about two two, two two about two million kids oh my god will you pull that up right now find your grind um that is, I mean, that's incredible, man. So that took five years to that. I say all that real quick, but yeah. yeah, it was it was that year I took off, and it was that first time in my life since I was a kid, um, where you said like earlier on, you said, did you ever think about it? Yeah. So that was when the show stopped, and everything kind of slowed down in two thousand twelve. Yeah. Thirteen. Uh, I was able to take a couple steps back and be like, what do you want to do with your life? And that's when I started going to Nebraska and going to middle America. My closest friends are like, what the fuck are you doing there? I was like, I don't know, but it makes me feel better. And I know that like, it makes me feel better and I'm helping. I literally had a conversation with one kid that was trying to commit suicide like three times. And uh, I, I formed a relationship with him on the conversations that we had had. And I knew that that, I, I, I you know, it's, if you save one person's life, then that's your job done. And I knew that what I'd done with this kid, I'd helped and saved his life. And 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 that that made me complete through my own depression and my suicide attempt. And I wanted to help grow that. So that's like from the find your grind side, like that's for me like the input of it. Everything else comes with it. It's like, all right, like I didn't graduate, I didn't graduate high school. My partner didn't graduate high school. My partner's wife graduated college but couldn't get a job. So it's like, all right, like there's a fucking motto here that like what they're teaching in schools and sending these kids to colleges and these kids are getting in debt and getting a degree they know never learned but they don't know what to do. So they just go back to college and get another degree and get more in debt and they're part of the system. The system's fucking them. And I just, you know, with what we're built and what we're building, it, it's, it's an outlet. It's not a solve the problem. None of us are going to solve the world's problem, but to create an outlet of like, there are all these other opportunities out here and you don't need a degree for a lot of them. Yes. If you're going to create an economy on Mars, go to school for nine years or whatnot, there are definitely things that I think you should be in school for a long time, but there's also not Google doesn't care if you have a degree. So it's, it's, it's being able to showcase all the different opportunities that are out there and the footprint, like flipping the switch and Having asking a fourteen year old what they want to be when they grow up is kind of fucking stupid. It's very I'm thirty six. I don't even know what I want to be. Right. So we created these. It's a there's like ten thousand minutes of learning exercises and assessments and tools, and it assesses who you are. You are going to have a different journey than you, and I'm going to have a different journey on our experience, and it's going to showcase the skill sets you have that you genuinely have, and then showcase you if you should go to college. And what those possibilities look like. And if you don't need to, here's the road you can go down. Uh, and shit. and it's it's uh, one of those things, you know, like, 
it's one of those things again you can't plan for that no no <laughs> you know and today we have we, we we have partnerships we just built a, a skate park with the tony hawk foundation in michigan attached to that um we have a partnership with the la Chargers. every time there's the touchdown at SoFi Stadium, we donate NFL matches us and we help rebuild the uh, football fields from the high schools around the stadium because it's in the middle of Compton. And then we have the partnership with um, the Tiger Woods Foundation. So it's it's um, it's it's crazy. Like the fact that when I was just telling you before, I think we were on air or off air when we said that, but um, the last three weeks, it's just crazy. But two weekends ago, I'm at Tiger Woods' facility, and I have my own learning facility in the Tiger Woods facility. What the fuck? What the fuck, right? I, this is, yeah, man. I, I I talk about this all the time, about college, the debt, how we can even think that a 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old even has a fucking one small minute grasp on what they want to do for the rest of their life and then impound them with tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt for a lot of the things that they go to school for the type of education is not needed to go to school for a social media marketing degree to learn from an individual that's never even fucking done really anything in that space doesn't make sense if you want to be a doctor a scientist biology okay absolutely but creating an outlet to assist and guide individuals, young kids, to help them really understand and navigate this this thing that we that we call life is monumental. Yeah. How is something like that? How, like, how did Nick Gross and how did you guys even like? How, like, I, I have no idea, dude. Me and Nick are fuck ups. <laughs> Like, Nick used to sleep on my couch in the Hollywood Hills, and we used to party together. The way we met, his he was on the the, the hills. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, Laguna Beach. Yeah, 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 he was on the TV series Laguna Beach. We had the same cameraman. We used to party together, and he'd sleep on my couch in the hills. <laughs> and then we kind of we were pretty naughty, and we kind of <laughs> drifted apart for a little bit. And then we came back together, and that was when I'd gone through my shit. I tried to commit suicide. Yeah. I started to try and be a better person. He was doing all the foundation work that he'd started like locally doing. And we, we, we got introduced by uh, two people we were working with at the time, Chairman McCassie, Eric Baker, and literally we sat in the lobby of the Hilton in Beverly Hills, and we just fucking, it was crazy. The energy, we were just like, Pfft. and then we started building this thing together, and we had no idea what we were doing. How did you even go about, like, building it and creating the platforms and... Like, you guys have to have to bring on some really fucking smart people to even help you guys. We got a lot of smart people to work for us. <laughs> we keep hiring them. You know, like, it's one of those things. You, you, you we, we hired some teachers. We hired some educators. Learn along the way. Failed along the way. Tried to build an app. Tried to create a show. Tried to do these things. And you kind of just fail forward. Um, and and, and it's, uh, it's, it seems to be working. It, do, it definitely does. How do individuals like kids or schools even go about using the platform? So the, the 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 way that it's built is that uh, uh, it's 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 built that the school can purchase it, and the districts can purchase it, and then the teachers will let the kids utilize it within their homeroom in these separate like separate kind of classes. Where we got really lucky is we had a a ninety hour curriculum before this new one was built, uh, which was ninety hours of work when COVID hit all the kids got sent home. So our platform had 90 hours of actual real 
verified by every state government schoolwork. So the teachers were able to start sending them our stuff and we Wow. Crazy, right? Right place, right time. Again. Right place, right time. And so kids going through this, how does the platform work? Like uh, the classes and So 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 there's a journey that collects it along the way and theoretically like you can start in well it's it's they, they they use it in some in some middle schools. There's a whole district in Oregon where it starts in the middle school, but it was made for grade 9, 10, 11, 12 and you start Perfect. in high school and you go you take the whole course along your way and it 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 it, it maintains all your information. Uh, the craziest thing I learned was when I started when we started doing this, it's a little different now. Dude, public high schools textbooks were updated every 7 years. <laughs> so theoretically, it's like a textbook that gets updated every day with mentors and assessments and tools and assignments. So it's forever current. Wow. But nobody really done that before. No, not at all. And and what we're focusing on, it teaches you about finances. It teaches you about taxes. It teaches yes. you about shit that you need to learn about that they're not teaching you. Not at all. No. Not, not Listen, at you all. Be, you could also be a 45-year-old mom that your kids just went off to college and you're single and you want to learn how to start a sewing business. You can take it too. But it's made for schools. This is a game changer, man. It's like literally a game changer. It, I think every single school district in the United States of America needs to be using your guys' curriculum. That's right? the goal. And how do you guys make it engaging for for you know kids to pull up, pull up the pull it up, pull it up? I know you had it up just a second ago. Um, it's cool. We're cool. Yeah, that's There's exactly. There's cool mentors. Tony Hawk's on there, you know, like it's, 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 Rob Derrick's on there. It's like, 100%. my whole thing when we started doing it, when we started doing the tours, I was like, all right, like, how do you bring Rob Derrick to a classroom? You can't bring Rob Derrick to every high no. school. You create a video where Rob Derrick addresses kids and boom, you've got Rob Derrick addressing kids. See, I'd way rather learn from Rob Derrick than some Joe fucking Schmo teacher that I don't even so remember their name. Just go up to, uh, wow, man. Where are we at here? Go into product. There we go. And scroll down. Wow, I love the user interface too. See, it's made to look cool. It's it made to look like they're, cool. they're. It's made to look like they're. Yeah, Gen Z relevant career content. Yep. Our network. Wow. Aha, yeah, bud. Holy shit! This is yes. Wow. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so does this work like, um, do the schools like pay like a monthly subscription for their students to take it? So the schools, the school, the school gets a certain budget that they're yeah. able to spend on this stuff and teachers are able to allocate, um, and the districts then allocate it to, usually it's not one school that pick it up. It'll be a district. Wow. So like district will pick it up and then it will go in like 60 schools in that area. Fantastic. And, yeah. and so they can do it either from their phone or their tablet or tablet. We, we, like, we were simultaneously building an app. And again, that's like failing forward. Yeah. But like we, we spent a lot of money on that. I'm sure. And realized that no kid, like we had a lot of the young TikTok kids, Josh Richards and all these kids like going through it. And we we're going to have them promote it and be the faces of that side of it. And we came to a really quick conclusion that kids aren't going to uh, download an education app. No, I get that. I get <laughs> They'll that. They'll do it and the teachers give it to them when it's cool. They're into it. But you're going to waste so much money trying to fucking... There's no point. No, no, no. It's not I mean, like the teachers it. hand it to them and make them do it. It's part of their exercise. Yes. And they're cool and engaged. But a kid downloading it on his own? No, 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 no. It's not like an adult downloading master class, right? It's it is not. It, no, not a completely different story. Um, has the government reached out to you guys? The federal government? 
Uh, we have, uh, yeah, yeah, like we're we're like like in some areas capacity. We're we're talking to the military right now too about some stuff. So it's all like one door opens and you kind of just funnel down that door, and the next door opens and you funnel down that door. But yeah, we've had a couple meetings, government meetings, and we're we're we like we just started talking to the U.S. military. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that to be honest with you. You know, after everything that you have gone through, your entire story, right? Um, this this is real fucking purpose. Yeah, this is real purpose. Really changing the game for the way kids learn because the system right now is completely broken. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. And it just seems like we're just falling backwards instead of, like you say, failing forwards. Right. Yep. Um. So. It's kind of funny because when you started flying out to, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska and doing all the things, like, obviously you can never imagine what this thing turns into, right? Um, But besides that, right? Oh, no, I actually wanted to ask you a question, right? Um, The Tiger Woods thing, right? I wanted to bring that back up. What the hell is that all about, man? Ah. I mean, that's fucking nuts. Oh, well, he he plays with a Monster Energy golf bag. Yeah. Damn. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So that's how you guys linked up. Yeah. Okay, all right, that makes sense. And you said you guys have a training facility at his. So there's a tight the, the, the Tiger Woods Learning Facility in Anaheim, um, and 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 what's even funnier is the CEO of the of of the Tiger Woods Foundation now is Nick's old principal. So it's like this fucking. But Tiger Woods has a learning facility in Anaheim. Yeah, that's about, I think it's about seventy five hundred kids use, and as you can imagine, beautiful golf courses and training facilities. And then in the top floor here, I'll show you here. I can show you right here. Yeah, absolutely. You can airdrop it over to Tyler as well. Yeah, man, I, I think that all the things that, that you're working on is just really amazing, especially find your grind, man. I mean, that uh, Tyler and I talk about this all the time, you know, about the education system and how broken it is, and, and especially the magnitude. It's kind of crazy. So right here you can see a corner room and then – all the find your grind computers and then that's like so all the computers attached to it and then we built the music studio in there so i think there's about 10 computers in there that are all the find your grind curriculum and then it's like access to all that and then we've got a music studio in there that always looks these golf course holy crap and how do people partake in, in that that is um i think he allows about 7500 students a year that's a lot to go through it yeah. And then the process for that's a whole, you can't just walk in there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Underprivileged kids. Certain yes. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, all done like very correctly. But it's just cool. Like as you go on in life or as you grow up and, 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 and you're able to see things like this, like people like Tiger Woods and these people genuinely really do care. Of course. The public has a perception of them or whatnot, but it's fuck like that. these people. Yeah. Fuck that. Right? Fuck that. Fuck that. You, you you don't truly understand a person or what they've gone through, the things that they have or have not done uh, through our screens or something on social media or some news fucking article. You know, it's about the uh, meeting people in real life, in real world situations, right? Yep. You know, because maybe uh, this person's perspective of this person is completely different, right? And so it's like, I, I don't listen to the shit that people fucking say on news or social media. It's one ear, not the other. Right. Um. So to kind of bring it back real quick, like how did you, like the whole monster thing, like how did that all come about? I was, I was one of the, first, I'm like the longest running person there now, but I was one of the first sponsored athletes. I've been, I, I, I did my deal in like 05. Company started doing deals in like 03, I think. Maybe 02, 03, 04, I don't know. Um, but yeah, 
some people there. Um, I, it's it's you know the the Rod, Rodney Sachs, Hilton Scaldberg, the two founders, the CEO, the CFO that created it, Mark Hall, uh, created the can and, and then the flavor. They um they treat me like family, you know, and uh, I uh, <laughs> right place, right time. I don't think anybody knew that that company was going to become a $50 billion company no. and the stock and all that shit. We got given stuff back in the day that, you know, changed our lives and uh, they treat me like one of their own and I've uh, treated it like it's my own brand and they want me to do that and have allowed me to do that and grow with them. Um, and it's, again, that's another whole crazy experience that like, fuck man, I, 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 I don't, I, I think, I think, you know, I'm very thankful of monster energy Rodney, Hilton, Mark, uh, Michael, Mitch, Cody, Dressa, oh, oh, everyone that's been a part of my, my journey there. But um, the first time I met Rodney Sachs, he sat on the ground and talked to me, and nobody had ever treated me like that. Nobody had that stature, and I'll never forget that. Um, along the way, people, both both, both, the, both our competitors, in the height of my shit, offered me fucking ludicrous amounts of money. And, 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 and not once did I even fucking budge. No, I knew what they're up to, you know, it's, 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 and, and I'm a loyal person and those guys are loyal. So I, I, I got their back. Loyalty seems uh, very important to you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's everything, man. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking important. And so many people just kind of are wishy-washy with that. It's, it's tough though. Like, uh, like, you know, there's a few people talk about it, you know, Deegan, Brian Deegan, uh, uh, he, he went, he went over to rockstar and he looks at me today. He's like, motherfucker. Fucked up, <laughs> you know. You still know, you know. You and it's like Rockstar, I, I, like Rockstar got bought out by Pepsi. Rockstar, Red Bull, Monster, like they have bought many of my friends' houses and homes. And and at action sport industry, we were very lucky to have the energy drink business. And I just happen to be, I'm I'm this one, you know. Yeah. And 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 this one's still run and owned by the family that created it. So you know, it's it's unfortunate. Rockstar sold to Pepsi and. You're just under the big umbrella now, yeah. and 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 they're all struggling struggling with it a little bit over there. Oh, for sure. That's what it is, and I'm sure if Monster one day sells the fucking the thing out, and that'll that 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 would happen. But of as course. of right now, today, it's still our family owned and run business, and that's 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 the way it is. And you know, I got very fortunate. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a beautiful thing to even think that they're still family run business. Yeah, right. Like that's so fucking crazy. <laughs> After all these years, everything that they've gone through. Uh, to still still be like that, I, I I find that absolutely amazing. Um. So, what was kind of the next part of of your story? Like, even like find your grind was five years ago. How long ago? Uh, two thousand company launched in two thousand seventeen. I started talking. Uh, I started. I I started the process of that probably like two thousand fifteen. Officially, the company was formed in two thousand seventeen. Damn man. Yeah. So that's kind of been the last five years. Um, you know, uh, you know, and the monster stuff is, is again, it's just this kind of like weaving and, and, and making sure, uh, that, you know, one thing I, I want to make sure that the kids of tomorrow, the next generation coming up still have a support base and it's still there, you know, because I think if we're not careful, there could not be action sports. There could not be all these things, and that's one of the biggest news stories you can have today is me and Nick now own 5% of X Games in that sale. We were one of the investors, and we are now part of it. <laughs> How did that even happen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
But we uh, we partnered up with MSP Capital, who's now running and operating, and they did the that they did the raise, and we got in there, and we're now you know officially own a little chunk of X Games, and uh, it's our my our job to make it grow and big and bring it back and fucking bring music back and make these young kids stars and yeah, yeah. That, that 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 is a job of mine that I want to do because I want to make sure this thing lives on forever. You seem like such a multifaceted individual. Like you have like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. Like you know what's crazy is is one of my ex girlfriends, um, and, and and not that I was running around cheating on her, but she's yeah. like she's like I feel like you have like two lives, and I'm in my head I'm like I got like six. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell do you even uh, manage your time wisely? Yeah, you know what's funny is 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 on my downtime I like I I I, I sit on the couch and smoke weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean. How do you manage your time? It's 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 one of those things you got to pick and choose your battles. Um, if you're gonna go all in on something, you got to like make sure it's the right thing. Yeah. I've been very good at being able to like morph my things together, uh, and 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 make the right decisions. Um, but it's it's all um, you've just got to you've it, 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 you've got to believe in what you're doing, and if you don't believe in it, then don't do it. That's a key right there, man. That that right fucking there so many people wake up every single day working at a job that they don't absolutely love doing things that they don't absolutely love and i know not everyone has that opportunity uh because of this that or the other thing but the lives that we live are such a blink of a fucking eye and to go through this entire journey of of our life and and not do things that we are truly proud of and that we truly love is it's it's a it's a it's a shame and so to hear someone go through life you know even with its ups and downs everything with your brother 2009 but still be fucking excited about life that's such a beautiful thing yeah well we got so much more life to live you know yeah yeah we we really do do you want a drink yeah there you go would you like uh we got some water over there or one of these sparkling yep there we go there we go crack it open um How did, so you've got Find Your Grind, Monster, all, all, all of these things. Like, as of recently, I know you have a podcast and all those. Like, what have you been working on as of now? Right now, um, I'm taking my podcast to Twitch. So I, I, no I did, I did uh, my first uh, run through. I did it. I, I did it actually yesterday. I, I, I streamed it, did a burner at Twitch account, and I streamed it to the company. And then the company was able to, like, come on and, like, get the chat. And then, um, we did it with D-Rod, a UFC fighter, but I'm going to be taking the podcast live. Okay. So it'll it'll air on Twitch first, live, and then Q&A with the guests, and, and then it will live on all the other platforms. So that'll be next month. But, like, my big thing is I've been a big believer of, of Twitch and what the what what the capabilities of, of how it's going to uh, end up. And the new CEO of X Games came from Twitch. So Stephen Faisal came from Twitch. Um, Thursday night football is it Thursday? What day is it? Thursday night and Monday night. Yeah. So today's today's Wednesday. Yeah. So Thursday night football is now being streamed live on Twitch. So Wait, like, what? Yeah. You have to pay for it though. Well, no, no, what? no, because no, it's owned. They're owned by Amazon. No, you can watch. You can watch it for free on Twitch. Isn't that genius? Holy shit! I did not know that. And there's commercials and all that shit too, right? Obviously. Yep. yep. No way. So how did this Twitch, how did that even come about with you? Man, like, because we were in COVID, and you're going to laugh at this, but we were in COVID, and um, 
I tried to do this like because none of the kids had graduation. So I came up with this idea to this huge graduation party live on Twitch with the, all the monster team, Gronk, Tiger Woods, and do this day. Um, and I did a huge push for it, and uh, it, 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 they didn't buy it at the time. But it came from when we were in the pandemic and all the kids that didn't get a graduation. I tried to do this big graduation party and then I think NBC or somebody fucking did. But I had taken it to Monster and some people were on board, some people weren't. But, um, you know, the the the, the, the um, Pasquale Ritala, the owner of yeah. EDC, Insomniac. I got an Insomniac. Switch. There we go. Um, a lot of people, when, 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 the, when COVID hit, they turned to Twitch. Yeah. Twitch had been there, but... I was able to see that, fuck, this thing's like a network and it's free. You don't need to deal with any of it. So a year later, right, we did our first live and unleashed on Twitch. And now Monster, we're kind of all in on Twitch. But yeah, the idea came from me trying to do a graduation party for high school kids that didn't get a graduation. Dude, the story keeps on coming back to you helping <laughs> younger people. Yeah. I, I fucking love that, man. Um, you asked me this question earlier before we got on the podcast. Uh, you said, why'd you start the podcast? I'll give you my answer. Bring that back to you. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, why? Um, why not? <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> no. Nah, man, I've been very privileged. I've lived highs and lows, and I think at the end of the day, like it goes back to people that are rich and unhappy or famous and unhappy or whatever it is. Um, the reason they are that is because they're selfish. Yeah. And that's not their fault. Society built us that way. Yeah. Get by, have a bigger house, have a nicer car, have this shit that's all fake. Be a good person. Yeah. And look at the fucking world we live in. I know. Bunch of fucking hate. We could fix it like that. What we want. No. No, of course not. So for my sanity, for me to wake up and be happy, you know, like like um, the day, when was it? The, the 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 LA City gave me and Nick a plaque for what we did with the charges, and it's crazy because you know we like we're, it's you just don't think of, but it's like you get a fucking plaque from the city saying you've done a good job and you're literally on a football field that's in the middle of the hood that was old dirt, yeah. and you grass it out and you put lights up. And you give these kids a place to be able to hang out and you see the smiles on their faces. You see the smile on their parents' face. You go to bed and you feel good. You wake up and you feel good. So to do good things, it uh, I, I, I guess it all comes back around. Have you always had this like mindset? Not at all. I, 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 uh, I worked on that. I think I was pretty selfish and, and pretty arrogant at some points in my life. What do you think changed? I didn't like myself. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think it was the evolution of everything that you went through back in 2009? A bit of everything. You know, I, I, I don't think I loved myself back then. I think I wanted to be all these other people that were in all, all I really needed to do was wake up and be me. And it took me about 30 years to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people wake up and they don't like the person that they see in the mirror. Yeah. Right. They're not happy. They're not proud. Um, and and you just get lost in the shuffle of the day-to-day -day life. And yep. I think that happens to so many people. When you look back at your story, what are some of like the key highlights that, that you're most proud of? 
<sighs> Key highlights. What I'm most proud of. That's a fucking tough question. I don't even. I don't, I don't even. I don't even know which way I'm going to go on this. <laughs> um. I mean, I'm proud of the person I've become, and you know, I'm 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 proud of. I think it's. I'm really proud of the things that I've been able to. I think leave behind. You know, going back to that football field or building a skateboard park or like being able to build something. To change people's lives, I think that's I think that's what I'm most proud of. Making this place a better a better world before you before you leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think like mine and Nick's motto, like with Find Your Grind, is we like to go and leave something behind. Go to the Tiger Woods Foundation, leave something behind. Go to Detroit, Michigan, leave something behind. Go to you know, and 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 I think it's you don't even really get to see the joy of what other people are gonna get, but knowing that other people are gonna get that, that's that. That's what it's about. It's not about, you know, fucking all the other bullshit, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm not going to talk shit on anybody right now. It's, but, you know, we live in a world where people uh, want to be like the people they see on Instagram. Yeah. And those people don't even like themselves. It's a facade, man. But you can't blame those people. And that's no. what I get mad at when people blame whoever it is. Of course. That way society gone that way. You can't blame them. That they're, they're they're just being who they are. 100%. It's just unfortunate that we all went that way. Do you think there's anything that we can do as a culture to change that? Kill the internet? <laughs> That's not going to happen. All right, well, there uh, you go. If you kill the internet, you kill the world at this point, you know? I don't know. It's 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 a fucking, it's a weird world to live in. It's We live in a very soft world. I'm, I'm, I'm very. Like, our parents were hard. I lived a hard life. I'm sure you guys lived a hard life. Kids today don't live a hard life, but the kids today that didn't live a hard life, they're our leaders one day. Yes, they are. So we're going to have a bunch of soft leaders what happens then yeah man i mean that's exactly it right um <clears throat> you know the things that we went through as, as children and, and our parents and our parents parents it was such a different world and things have changed so fucking quickly and they just continue to change and you're right you know people of today are very very soft if all this shit like if if a you know, emp bomb went off nuke whatever the fuck just shut everything down right Powers out for 24, 48 hours, there's going to be wide, just massive amounts of chaos. And, and people won't, wouldn't even know how to survive. And most people, unfortunately, are glued to their phones all day. And like you said, kill the internet, but that's definitely not going to happen. If it does, I think society will definitely crumble because every our entire infrastructure is built on the internet. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's just that, no, no, no. I get that. I get that. Trust me. Um What does the future hold for you? Like, what are you working on now and, and moving forward? I think the future, the future, the future, the future, I, I it's just keep creating. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're creating um, a TV show or uh, a logo for a hat or creating a curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> just keep creating. You know, um, I, I, I sound stupid. Some people laugh at me. I want to own a sports team one day. I love that. So I guess I'll just keep working towards that. <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, what baseball, football, basketball? I mean, at this point, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably have to buy like a volleyball team. Or <laughs> start somewhere, you know, I just want to have a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call it? Um, whoever, whatever sponsor is going to put their money on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's go. Let's go. Dude. Um, no, that's pretty, that's pretty gnarly of me to say, but that, uh, like, you know, yeah, I, 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 um, I love sports. Yeah. I love being around sports. I love the camaraderie. I love being at stadiums. I love being at venues. I love being around that. Um, so hopefully, you know, when I get older, that's something I can, you know, me and Nick can be a part of is he's a big hockey guy. So he's kind of the leader. So there we go. it'll probably be a hockey team. Absolutely. He's also in a, a band girlfriends, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They're doing really well. Yeah. So to Travis. Yeah. T Mills. And, Nick, and uh, no, they're, uh, they got new music coming out. Uh, that's, that's fucking John Feldman is a fucking genius. Fuck. So, so the fact that they're able to build all that together with big noise and no, uh, that's, uh, that's family, right? There. It's amazing, man. As we start to kind of wind this down a few more things, um, dude, you've lived such an incredible life, obviously ups and downs, just like anyone, um, looking at your, your, your social media, right. Um, the people that you get to surround yourself with, uh, is, is really amazing. You know, one person that has really changed the game for music, especially when we grew up, right? Blink-182, Less Than Jake, Rise Against, yep. all these bands, right? I, I start to see this resurgence of pop punk, um, and I see that you, you post a good amount with, like, Machine Gun Kelly, yep. MGK. How did that relationship even come about? I met him. He didn't. We, we didn't get along when we first met. Respect. Um, he came to L.A., Came to LA, I think in 2011 or something. He saw, he just signed to Diddy. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't moved to LA yet because he was kind of still on the road. And that's when we like were kind of we just couldn't figure each other out. I think. Yeah. He was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this?" <laughs> and then uh, he moved to LA with the the crew, and they got a house. I think in like 2013 or 14. We we met in I think 2010 or something. It's crazy, man. right? Uh, uh, and then we got the house here. That's when we started hanging out. You know, became like friends, yeah. uh, and we're just very similar. He's got a dark past. I got a dark past, and uh, when you can put that behind you, and you, you I, 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 I think I'm pretty good at like spotting like greatness. Yeah, and he's always had greatness in him. Um, and over the years, when certain people would rise, I'm like, sorry, dude, those people will fall. Take that slow route. We'll get yes. there, and we'll stay there. You know, and. Um, He's, you know, even back in 2008 when that shit happened with Eminem, like, man, like, this guy, that was his hero, you know? And then all of a sudden, like, half the world hates him and he stick up for the younger crowd. And that was a dark time for him, man. And, and, and you know, when you go through dark patches with people, you kind of, like, you kind of, you know, you kind of get stuck with them. And, you know, when EST Fest was small, I started going out there and that built up to what it was and, it was so crazy, man. Like, the moment he sold out um, the Cleveland Browns Stadium and me and him were standing up there by ourselves and uh, he had just... They, he did, this, did you see the zip line thing? Yeah. He zip line in. He only tested... The, the one per, there was one test run on that. One, one, one test run. The guy hit his head, fucking knocked his head, and then Kells went to go and then Kells fucking zoomed into the thing, didn't, wasn't zipped up enough, and like almost ripped his fucking dick off. Holy shit. And 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 uh, and then and then the show it was like he rapped the song and then like just jumped into it and fucking yeah he, he was bodied that thing was that 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 was pretty nice anyway the, the right after that first we were standing in the stadium and he told me when we were younger that he would sell the stadium out and he looked at me and goes I fucking told you so and that was the moment me and him had a lot of moments but that was a moment when it was like 
fuck all you guys. You know what I mean? We're here and we're not going anywhere. And, um, you know, they're my family. You know, that, that like, Slim, Bass, Rook, Dub, Irv, Trey, Ash, that's our family. You know, oh, and, 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 and I was in, I was in the studio when, when, when they fucking, you know, I was in the studio when Trav fucking, Trav's Bach is a fucking genius. And, and I was, I was, I was there. I watched all that shit happen. So God bless Travis Barker. And this run's been wild, wild. It's fucking insane, man. Yeah. Just once again, looking from a bird's eye view, seeing the resurgence of of pop punk, the shit I fucking grew up on, right? And and now seeing all this younger generation just trying to soak it all in, fucking because of MGK and Travis Barker and everything that they've created. It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And that slow buildup is a lot better than that crash and burn. A hundred percent, right? Um, you know, a lot of people say that they're gonna do things very few actually accomplish it, you know. So, you know, kudos to to him and and everything that um that that he's been able to do. Yeah. So, it's still fuck, it's, it's, man. It's, it's 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 surreal, dude, because it was not so long ago that people laughed at us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now like police will move gates for us and let us do weird shit and fucking they lit up the empire state building pink <laughs> like that's fucking surreal man like how is that like and diff- but the fact that we're all still there together like that's, yes we're, we're, we're a crew you know yep. and it's a lot of people get famous and have this big run and they become lonely because they're by themselves like you know i don't i'm not going to mention names but there's certain people that are around him that in that same era of that are sad and by themselves and he has a support team that like truly loves him and some other people get eaten up by the industry and these managers will suffocate these people and not let them out to the world. And it's, uh, yeah, so I think we're all lucky to have each other. Absolutely. Once again, it goes back to loyalty. It yeah. seems like a big uh, loyalty and inspiring the the younger generation. Yeah. Right? Um, two more things. When you leave this earth, you leave this planet, what do you want to be remembered for? I... Uh, I think people will remember my laugh that knew me, but I, I think I just, I want to leave a lot behind. You know, I want to leave a lot behind. I want to make the world a better place. Well, brother, I think you're, you're definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah. With find your grind and. Yeah, there'll probably be a hockey stadium. <laughs> your hockey stadium. Like all of these things, right, man? Like you've you've definitely lived such an incredible life. And um, to be able to navigate through all of this, especially at such a young age, is, is so fucking rare. And I know that you've had your own trials and tribulations. Um, but to still be here today, continually pushing forward from action sports to education, um, as I hit my nose, yeah. um, edge kind of everything that, that you've been able to do, but still move forward. Like it's just very rare. Yep. You're a very rare individual. And I want to thank you, man. I reached out to you on social media. You didn't need to write me back. You didn't, you didn't know me from shit. Yes. I might've had a few of your friends on the show, but it's not like I said, Hey, you know, Rick fucking, you know, reach up, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I just, I, I, I sent you a message, very sincere. Um, and, and you wrote back and you stuck to your word. And I, that means a lot to me. Yeah. Like, so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show to share your story. Um, 
Last question. Do you believe in aliens? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> you kidding me, man? They're right here. Me and Kels have seen those motherfuckers. Dude. <laughs> I've seen aliens. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, honestly, I, I like, every time every time I say this, I'm on mushrooms. <laughs> the best. But, like, dude, like, I swear to God, I know what I've seen, and, 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 and we ain't alone. So there you go. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy, dude. All the shit that we're we're definitely seeing, the things that the government's putting out, um, it's 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 strange, man. It's definitely strange. Um, Luke, man, where can people find your stuff? Right, your podcast, everything. Well, yeah, Unleashed Podcast, Monster, all platforms. Just, dude, find your grind. Just like that's it. That's I'm it, good. brother. Yeah, man. That's it, man. Anything else? Appreciate you, dude. Thank I you. I appreciate you, man. Thank Get you stone. so much for fucking coming on. Let's get stoned. Yeah, brother. Let's go. Boom. My brother. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs>